Church, we were made to worship. God created us so that we might bring Him praise. And I would say to you that you and I can never find true contentment in life until we are right with the Lord and worshiping Him. We need to know what true worship is, and we need to express that worship to God. And the only way to do that is to really know God and understand what true biblical worship is. Now, you might wonder, well, why is worship so important? Why should we worship God? Well, first of all, there's no one in all of creation who deserves to be worshipped but God. He's the only true, holy, pure, and righteous being that exists. He not only is pure and holy in all of his ways, but he is the creator of all things. We have our origin in him. He made us, he sustains us, and we should worship him because it's only right to do so. And as I mentioned, until we learn to worship God from a biblical perspective, we will never find what life is all about. Now, in order to discover more about who God is and how to worship Him, we turn to the Scriptures. So I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and open it to the book of Psalms, Psalm 100. This is a wonderful psalm. And I want to read through this psalm for you, and I would ask you to follow along in your copy of God's Word. Psalm 100, beginning with verse 1. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. Psalm 100 is to believe to be the closeout of a cluster of psalms beginning in Psalm 93. These psalms are related to the millennial reign of Christ. That is the time when Christ will establish his rule on this earth. Now presently that has not happened. We can look at the affairs of the world and quickly determine that God is not ruling and reigning in the hearts of men, women, boys and girls across the world. Now, he is our king, we are citizens of the kingdom, and that kingdom is coming. The victory has already been won at the cross through the death and resurrection of Christ. And there's, a com- there's coming a point at, at some time in the future, perhaps today, where Jesus Christ will come for his church. We call this the rapture of the church. He will call us out of this world to be with him. Shortly thereafter, we'll begin the tribulation period. And this is a seven-year period where intense difficulty will occur on this earth. This is when the Lord Christ will pour out His righteous wrath against the ungodly nations of the world. And it is through this time that 
Satan will oppose God most fiercely. But he is already a defeated foe. It is through this time that Christ will reassert himself as the rightful ruler of the earth and of all things. At the end of this seven-year period, we will find that history will turn to what is called uh, the Battle of Armageddon. And this will be the culmination of, of uh, the seven-year time of trial and difficulty, the tribulation period. And it's at this battle that Christ will conquer those in opposition to his kingdom. He will establish his kingdom on the earth for a thousand years. This will be his introduction, his introductory reign throughout all eternity. And so we're looking forward to that time. So when we read this psalm, keep in mind the setting is the millennial kingdom where all the nations of the world are called forth to come and worship this great king. To come with shouts of praise and joy and thanksgiving. For he has conquered evil itself. And he's ruling now in righteousness. And that's what we're longing for, is it not? Even in our own country, we're longing for righteousness to prevail. For goodness to overcome wickedness. For darkness to be defeated by light. When that time comes, there will be great worship and celebration. But here's the good news. Are you ready? We don't have to wait till the millennial reign to worship the Lord. We're kingdom citizens. As a matter of fact, this psalm was used in worship by God's people as they went to the temple to praise Him. In anticipation of His ultimate rule and reign over all things. So I want us to look at this psalm and gain from it three things that will help us become better worshipers. So let's begin to look at this psalm together. The first thing I want you to see is our approach to God. Our approach to God. Let's look and see in verse 1. We see we're to shout joyfully to the Lord. He says, all the earth. Again, calling forth all people to come and worship God. And you know, that's what evangelism really is about. Evangelism is us going out and telling people of their need for Christ and how that Jesus Christ will save them. And once they are saved, then they are in a right position to worship God because you cannot worship if you don't know Him. To know Him is to love Him. To love Him is to trust Him. To trust Him is to serve Him. And to serve Him is to be blessed by Him. And when we know who He is and all of His glory and we're in right relationship with Him, then truly we can lift up our praise to Him. Because God inhabits the praise of his people. So we're to come, notice, shout joyfully to the Lord. Now, notice this is not a passive description. Shout joyfully. This means get loud. Get loud. Have you ever left church and thought, man, that music sure was loud today. You ever thought about that? Well, listen, it's not going to be quiet in heaven. There's going to be noise in heaven around that throne where people will be shouting. They will be praising. They will be singing. They will be clapping. They will be bowing. They will be rejoicing around the throne. All the people of God are to come together and shout joyfully to the Lord. Notice the word joyfully there. Now, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is conditional. It's conditioned upon what is happening in our lives. 
If things that are happening are good, then we are happy. If things that are happening are bad, then we are sad. But joy is something different altogether. Joy is that state of enthusiastic expectation. It is that position of being hopeful in the Lord that no matter what the circumstances in life are, we have this sense of exuberance within. It's something that cannot be bottled up. It's going to spring out like a bubbling brook. It's going to overflow. There is an eruption of praise. And when we truly see who God is in His great glory, we won't be able to restrain ourselves. We won't be able to keep quiet. We will want to sing praise to the Lord. We will want to exalt His name. So there's this shout unto the Lord. Shout joyfully unto Him, all the peoples of the earth. Then we are also to approach the Lord with service. He says, serve the Lord with Notice, gladness. He's talked about joyfully. Now he's talking about gladness. Notice again, this is a participation. This is not spectating. This is not looking from the sideline and seeing what others are doing. No, we are coming actively, shouting joyfully, and serving the Lord. When we come to worship Him, it should be an act of service unto God. And see, in order to serve the Lord, that by its very nature demands participation. So you come in, and I know you're sitting on a pew, and I'm standing up here, and I'm moving about, and I'm speaking, and you're listening. But listening itself is participation. Because it's possible to be in a worship service, and the pastor preach, and you not listen. You could be somewhere else in your mind, in your thinking. It's possible to come into a worship service and not sing. It's possible to come in and not give. It's possible to come in and not share one with the other. All of these are elements of praise and worship. Prayer is another element of worship. All of these things come together and we serve the Lord when we pray, when we give, when we fellowship in Christian love when we preach, when we listen and learn and apply the message, when we sing, when we play an instrument. All of these things are expressions of worship. This is how we serve the Lord. And we do it how? With gladness. Not out of drudgery. Not being compelled to do it out of duty. When we are compelled to do something, then it becomes meaningless to us. And God does not want our worship to be empty. He wants it to be enthusiastic. So we serve the Lord by shouting joyfully unto Him. We serve Him by coming with gladness and being participants in worship. And then notice also, He says, sing to the Lord joyfully. Look in verse 2. Come before Him with joyful singing. Singing is a central part of biblical worship. It's one way that God created us to express praise. It just comes overflowing from us. It's a natural occurrence when we're walking in fellowship with the Lord. It's an important element within a worship service. Singing is so vital. That's why here at First Baptist we want to have a comprehensive music ministry. Where all ages are participants. From our children 
our youth, our adults, and our senior adults. We want everyone involved. We want multiple generations coming together, lifting up their voices and praise to God, honoring Him in all things. Singing is a very important component to that. I like what we read about over in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. You can mark this in the margin of your Bible if you like. If you quickly can turn there, you can read it with me. But in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, of course, uh, the Apostle Paul is writing here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he's speaking about walking in the Spirit. And, and he says this, verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. That is, this is a natural expression of praise when people are walking with the Lord. Singing is a part of that. He mentions three things. Psalms, which is uh, probably referring to the biblical Psalms, like Psalm 100 that we are looking at this morning. He mentions hymns, which would be songs of praise. And then he uses a broader category of musical expression, and that is spiritual songs, which is simply expressions of spiritual truth or testimony to the Lord. Notice there's variety in these songs, in these expressions. There's variety because God is a God of creativity. God is a great artisan, is He not? He is able to produce music that is beautiful, that comes from different genres, that can be used and employed to serve Him. Music is a beautiful thing that God has created. I think about Psalm 150. You can flip over there if you'd like. Psalm 150. This is a a beautiful psalm and it expresses what we're to do when we come to worship, whether it's singing or playing instruments. He says this, praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty expanse. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with harp and lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath, there's the voice, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord, he says. And all God's people say, amen. Notice here the expression of music, using various instruments, using the voice, the instrument of the voice, coming together and making melody And making music unto the Lord as expressions of worship. This is our approach to God. This is why the worship service, the corporate worship experience is so important. And this is what has been so discouraging as we have gone through this pandemic. Has it not? We have been separated. We've been divided. We still have many in our congregation who are elderly in particular who cannot come because of this COVID. But I have good news. We're nearing the end, I believe, of this COVID pandemic. 
And I believe it won't be long until all God's people are able to come together to worship Him uh, corporately. And folks, I'm very thankful for our live streaming. Our, our, our personnel here in, in that field of ministry, they've done a wonderful job of getting that set up and improved. And I'm telling you, I'm so thankful for them. And it's such a great ministry, is it not, when you can't come? When you can't get here or you're sick or we're in a pandemic, it, it's just, it's, it's wonderful. But it's not the same as being together with God's people. You know, when I go overseas on a mission trip or if I'm out of town, uh, I will call Sonia up, uh, Sonia up and I want to see her. I want to see her beautiful face. And so uh, I, will, uh, I will get my iPhone out and I will FaceTime her. Now, she doesn't get a lot of benefit out of it because she's able to see my face, but it's a great blessing to me. I can look at her beautiful face there and talk to her. But did you know I do not use FaceTime when I'm in town? You know why? I want the real thing. I want to see her face to face with my own eyes. And there's something that cannot be expressed through an iPhone. It requires that personal connection, that personal contact. And that's the way it is in our church. We love, as God's people, we love to come together. We love to be together. We love to sing together and worship together and fellowship together, serve together. These are such important components of being the people of God. And this is our approach to Him. And we should come together enthusiastically to serve the Lord. As you know, I'm a big football fan. I loved to play when I was a younger man. But now that I'm getting old, those days are over. But I still enjoy watching football. And I'm amazed at how some fans approach the game. I mean, think about it. I've I've noticed that there are people who go to such extremes to celebrate football or their favorite sport. Have you seen these people paint their faces? And uh, they will put flags on their car, and as they go by, you can hear them flapping in the wind, and they will drive hundreds of miles, spend thousands of dollars, stand for hours in the heat, the snow, the rain, and some of them, even when it's below zero, they're standing out there with no shirt on. I'm thinking, what kind of people are these? They are big fans. And they're cheering on their team to the point that they lose their voices. That's devotion. Friend, we need to have the same devotion when it comes to worshiping the Lord, do we not? Sometimes we wonder, do we have the right temperature? Do we have the right music? Is the writing, is the lighting right? Is the sermon right? Are the programs the way I want them? And the focus becomes placed on us it becomes uh, we become the focus of the attention rather than God I say there's a better way and that is for us to keep God in the focus of our hearts and minds and come together to honor him the way we worship and we worship together by shouting joyfully to the Lord serving the Lord with gladness singing to the Lord and making melody unto him now some of you may wonder well well pastor when we come together to worship the Lord When we sing these songs, how do we select what songs to sing? I mean, there's such a variety. Well, we have a screening process that we want to use. 
For example, we want to make sure that our music is biblically sound. The songs we sing, that they're biblically sound. Not that they just sound good, but they are biblically sound. That is, they communicate biblical truth. That's the first screen that we have our music pass through. Secondly, we want to make sure that they are clearly understood. Are they clearly understandable? There's no ambiguity. In other words, you hear the song and you're not wondering, well, what is this song about? It's a clear presentation of truth. Also, we want our songs to be congregationally singable. If there's a congregational song being sung, we want it to be presented in a way that's the right key for most of the people to be able to join in. Because congregational singing is, again, not a spectator sport. It is to be a participatory activity where we all join together our voices and we sing as unto the Lord. We, we join our hearts together and our, our theology together and our praises lifted up to God. And we also want our music to go through the filter of musically appropriate. You say, well, pastor, what do you mean by being musically appropriate? That is, we want our music to, uh, our words, the text, and the, the accompaniment to match. This has to do with artistry. Mus- musicianship is a part of this. Uh, in other words, we want our music to be excellent. Uh, We want to have a high standard of excellence in whatever we do. Why? Because we're performing? No. It's because we are worshiping. Worshiping is not just a performance, although there's a performance quality to it. Worship is when we come bringing our best to God, giving Him our all. Uh, We are singing to the Lord. This almighty being that's perfect and pure in all of his ways. And we want to bring him our very best. And so when we sing at the congregation, when we sing on this platform, whatever we do, we want it to honor the Lord. This is our approach to God. But secondly, notice our acknowledgement of God. We see this in verse 3. We acknowledge the Lord as God. That's what he says here. Know that the Lord himself is God. You see the word know there? That's a very important word. It means that we need to discover who God really is. How do we know who God is? Well, we know from the preaching of God's word, from the study of Scripture. The Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and informs my mind as to what truth is. That's why the preaching part of a service is, a, is an essential component. That's not the only element of the worship service, but it is very important because we're studying about who He is. And, and trust me, friends, I, I have been to seminary, I have studied the Scripture for decades And I can promise you, I haven't reached the bottom of the book. There is no bottom to this book, I can promise you. Don't think that you've learned everything there is to learn about God because you know some Bible stories. This is a deep book. Now, now it's presented in such a way that the, the truth of the gospel can be understood by a little child. 
as the Holy Spirit takes that word and informs the mind. But I'm also saying you can be a great scholar of the word of God. And at your death, after studying an entire lifetime, you're still learning and discovering more truths about this wonderful God. And the more we learn about him, I'm telling you, the more we will want to worship him. Everything else will pale in comparison to who this great God is. So we need to acknowledge the Lord as God. Now that may sound somewhat simple to acknowledge the Lord as God. You can say, well, isn't that obvious? Well, not to some people. And even for us as Christians, sometimes we can get our focus on the things and begin to worship those things rather than God. And by the way, anything that we worship, anything that we adore, anything that we love more than God has become an idol to us. This is a reminder that there is but one true and living God and He is to be worshipped. Amen? Then also we're to acknowledge the Lord as Creator. He says in verse 3, it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. He's the creator of ourselves and all things. Now, we are the apex of his creation. Isn't it good to know that, that God has made us as the apex? We're, we're the, the prized possession of the Lord over all created things. God has made us and he loves us and he has chosen to involve us in his kingdom work but let us never forget it is he who made us we didn't make ourselves we're not the product of our own labor we're the result of his kindness and his goodness and his creativity and he sustains us let us never seek to rob him of his glory by trying to focus on something else as a source of creation I think about how evolution is an atheistic attempt to try to explain how creation came to be. And it's an effort to rob God of his glory. I think about Romans chapter 1 that, that uh, speaks to this very issue. Now let me turn there quickly. You don't have to turn there, but just mark in your Bibles, Romans uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 20 and 21. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power... And divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. That is, everybody can look at the complexity of creation and discover that this did not happen by accident. There's a creator. But verse 21 says, even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts were darkened. And sadly, that's a good description of evolution. It's, a, it's an attempt to, to rob God of the glory of creation. But the truth is, until we understand that it is God who made us and not we ourselves, then we have not even begun to understand, understand and discover who this great God is. So we acknowledge the Lord as creator. Also, we acknowledge the Lord as shepherd. Look at verse 3 again. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Uh, this reminds me of Psalm 23 where David, who understood what it meant to tend sheep, uh, spoke about how that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. 
He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. And he goes on and speaks about how that the Lord is a shepherd. And I'm saying to you, church, that God is shepherding us. God is shepherding you. And we need to acknowledge that. As we come to worship, we acknowledge that He is God. We acknowledge that He is the creator of all things. We acknowledge that He is the shepherd that is leading our lives Acknowledgement is essential for worship. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, he gave them a model prayer. We often call this the Lord's Prayer, but better described, I think it's the, it's the disciples' prayer. They're to pray it. And it was used as a model to follow. And notice what he says. He says, when you pray, this is how you should pray. Our Father who is in heaven, Hallowed is your name. That is, holy is your name. Jesus said, when you begin to pray, the very first thing you do as you enter into prayer is you acknowledge God. You need to have an understanding of who He is. You need to remember who it is you're talking to. Acknowledge the Lord. Acknowledgement is essential if we're going to worship biblically. We've talked about our approach to God, our acknowledgement of God. Now, finally, let's look at our attitude toward God. We see this as uh, described in verses 4 and 5. We're to have a thankful attitude for God's goodness. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. And then verse 5 For the Lord is good. Church, do I need to remind you that the Lord is good? You say, well, Pastor, wait a minute. My life is kind of rough right now. It's not that good. The goodness of God is not contingent upon your circumstances. God's nature, His character is immutable. It doesn't change. God is good whether or not we are experiencing good times. God's goodness remains the same. That's why we can say God is good whether the news is good from the doctor or not. We can say God is good whether the economy is good or not. We can say God is good whether or not we have a job. We can say God is good whether or not we have something to eat. His nature does not change based upon our circumstances. God is good, and we're to be thankful for His goodness. Now, one thing we can do when we come to worship, it's just as we enter in, we need to think about how good God has been to us. For example, we all have clothes to wear. Aren't you glad of that? We all have clothes to wear. And I would imagine that we all have more than one set of clothes. If I went to your house and looked in your closet, I would probably see racks of clothes. Can I get a witness? We all have shoes to wear. And more than one pair. And you women, it's amazing how many you have. Men, can I get a witness? Some people have no shoes to wear in the world. They go barefooted every day. We have houses to live in, transportation. We have clean water. We just turn on the faucet and there it is. 
We have food to eat. Today you'll get to decide what kind of food you'll eat and how much of it. We have health care available to us. We have doctors and nurses even here in this service. Medicines that are available. Antibiotics when we get sick. The list is long. I could go on and on and on. But most importantly, we have God Almighty who loves us. And through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ has provided salvation for all who will by faith believe Him. Yield their lives to Him. They'll be saved. I'm telling you, God has been good to us. And when we come together, we just celebrate His goodness. We celebrate His nature. We worship Him. But also, we're to be thankful in our attitude for God's mercy. He says in verse 5, His loving kindness is everlasting. You know what that means? His mercy never ends. Oh, I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful. The Bible says that every morning His mercies are fresh and new. As someone has said, and I must agree, I'm not looking for God's justice. I want His mercy. If you and I got what we deserve, we will spend an eternity separated from God in a place called hell. But because of God's love for us, He has provided the sacrifice of His own Son so that our sins could be forgiven. God in His holiness cannot just overlook our sin, but He loves us. And sin has been paid for through the death of His Son who was sinless but stead in our place so that our sins could be washed clean. And so when we come together to worship, we need to have an attitude of thanksgiving to God for His mercy. And then also a thanksgiving should be expressed to the Lord because we have this attitude of thanksgiving, an attitude of gratitude for God's faithfulness. Look in verse 5, the last part of the verse. And His faithfulness to all generations. Now I wish I could say that I've always been faithful to the Lord since I've been a Christian, but I have not. There have been times I've sinned, and I'm ashamed of that. But I can tell you this, God has always been faithful to me. He has never lied to me. He's always been true and trustworthy. He's always kept His promises to me. And He always will because that's a part of His nature. He doesn't lie. So He can be depended upon. We can trust Him. So we need to have an attitude of thanksgiving when we come because of God's goodness and His mercy and His faithfulness to us. Our attitude toward God will be expressed in the way we worship. In Malachi chapter 1 verses 13 and 14, God rebukes His people because they were bringing their diseased animals to Him for sacrifice which was a direct violation of God's Word. In other words, they would go through the flock and they would find a diseased animal and they'd say, okay, this one's probably going to die. die. Let's take this one and we will give this one to God. Uh, This one's diseased and he has a broken leg. Okay, let's take that one with us to worship God. We'll give that one to sacrifice to God. And God was not going to have it. So here's what he told them. He told them that their worship had become boring to them. He said, you also say how, my, how tiresome it is. In other words, how boring the worship service is. 
and you disdainfully sniff at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring what was taken by robbery and what is lame or sick, so you bring the offering. Should I receive it from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it. But sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts. And my name is feared among the nations. Let us be sure, friend, let us be sure that we have our hearts right when we worship. And that we have our focus right when we worship. So that we're not bringing something inferior to God that is unjust and unrighteous in his sight. That we come with the best worship we can of him because he's worthy. That we don't bring something from our flock that is broken or diseased and say, Lord, would you take this? We need to bring him our very best. I like how it says in this passage in Malachi how that the Lord, he said, I am a great king. And again, remember Psalm 100 speaking about the king, King Jesus on the throne in the millennial reign. Friend, he is a great king. And envision your mind how when he's on that throne, the throne of David, all the peoples of the world would be going towards Jerusalem. They're gathering together in this one massive effort to praise and worship the one who is righteous and holy that is seated on that throne. That's what worship is all about. Have you ever been sent an invitation? I know you have. That you have to RSVP. You have to let people know you're coming, right? You want to express your intentions that you're going to be there. That's how we inform people that we've received the invitation. Well, this psalm here this morning is an invitation. It's an invitation to you to come into the manifest presence of the Lord And worship Him. To honor Him. And the way we live our lives. And the way we worship our Lord. It speaks about our approach to God. Our acknowledgement of God. Our attitudes before God. So that when we come together. We will truly worship Him. I hope that these three things that you have written down this morning. That. We've talked about will serve you well in days to come as you worship the Lord. Never come to the house of the Lord without thinking about why you're here and bringing your best. And when we come to worship the Lord, many times I've found that it's in the midst of that experience that the Lord God will begin to prompt our hearts about areas that need to be changed. Why does he do this? Because he loves you and he's not content with leaving you where you are. He wants to change you. He wants to grow you and develop you, mature you. So you'll be all that he has intended for you to be. And this process begins with salvation. Maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. You can today, if you realize you're a sinner, believe Jesus is the Savior. And you're willing to live for him. You're, 
you're willing to give your life to him, he'll save you. And this will begin, this new life will begin by your expression to the Lord in prayer. Would you bow your heads in prayer? If you want to become a believer, if you want to become a follower of Christ, would you pray this prayer with me?